mentorship, or doing it yourself. Today on the show, we find out what makes a great hero. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Lawrence. And my name's Abu. And today we are joined by a very special guest, all the way from another podcast. That's right. Alex from the Comic Book Club podcast. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. It was very tiring coming all the way from another podcast, but I appreciate you having me here. Oh. I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you made it, man. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked that you are here because from what I'm told, you know a lot about Spider-Man. I certainly hope so. Otherwise, I've uh, ended up on the wrong podcast. But yeah, I've been a, a comic book <laughs> fan for decades at this point. Love Spider-Man. Love Miles Morales, who, not to spoil it too much, but we're going to be jumping into it in a moment. So I'm super excited to chat about all of it. Yeah, and we have a, have a pretty... Exciting episode planned out here. We're going to talk about, you know, here on Lore Party, we specialize in video game lore. And on the comic book club, you guys obviously specialize in comic books. So we're going to try to meet in the middle today and talk about one of my favorite variants of Spider-Man, Miles Morales. And we'll talk about his development in the PS4 uh, Marvel Spider-Man game and in the original Ultimate Spider-Man universe and kind of see how the differences in his development affected the type of Spider-Man that he eventually became. I love how you're setting up comic books and video games like these two warring worlds, like we're the Romeo and Juliet coming together. <laughs> this, this has never been attempted before, never so it before. might not work. <laughs> Ever. Chocolate and my peanut butter, no thanks. Right, right, I'm, right. It doesn't work for me, no. <laughs> Star-crossed podcasts, indeed. Yeah, I'm stoked. I'm uh, I'm really glad, Lawrence, that you also invited me on for this Miles Morales episode in particular. I'm a huge Miles fan. I have a poster uh, or a, a framed drawing from this artist in Bulgaria, I think, who I found on Etsy, who who did this like incredible Miles drawing for me in my room. Like to me, Miles Morales is my Spider Man, and you know, as much as I love Peter, I've grown up with Peter, watched the cartoons, read the comics. Obviously, the PlayStation 4 Spider-Man game is focused very much on Peter, but Miles is such a fascinating character, and the fact that he's sort of taking on this mantle of Spider-Man, which is going to be a big part of our discussion today, is so interesting, because he takes that mantle in two very different ways, depending on whether we're talking the comic book world, Miles, or the video game world, Miles. Yes. So I think, you know, to get things started off, it's definitely fitting that we start with you know the comic book miles morales the ultimate universe uh miles because that is the original miles now that even though now that he is in the uh, main universe but um yeah we want to just kind of give a brief backstory and then we'll we'll move into some some different points about their development so um alex being the comic book expert uh, <laughs> do you want to kind of give us a little backstory on Miles, just like kind of the events that led him to becoming Spider-Man in the Ultimate Universe? 
Yeah, I mean, to take it a little bit further back, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man was a younger, fresher, more modern take on Spider-Man by Brian Michael Bendis and originally Mark Bagley. Uh, it ran for issues. It was best-selling, redefined the whole Marvel universe. Uh, and it was great because it was decompressed. He had the storyline where it was, you know, things would very slowly unfold over the course of six issues. Um, but at the same time, a lot of things changed and he hit a lot of origins and a lot of ideas differently that you see in the movies that you see. I'm sure we'll get into the video games and other things. They've all leaked out there and it's been very influential. But it got to a point where he felt like he had said what he needed to say with Peter Parker. Uh, and he came up with this idea of Miles Morales, uh, along with artist Sarah Pichelli. He developed Miles. Um, Miles is somebody who lived in this ultimate universe for uh, I'm sure most of your listeners are, are familiar with this, but. Just in case not, Ultimate Universe, different alternate universe than the main Marvel Universe where you see, like, the Avengers and everybody else. There are different, like, more adult, darker takes on them for the most part. And so Miles ended up uh, getting powers, not being able to save Spider-Man, the same way that Peter Parker wasn't able to save his uncle and was inspired by that. Miles wasn't, he wasn't explicitly there to save Peter but he felt guilt about it. He felt like I had these powers. I didn't use them. What if I had ended up in a situation where I could have saved Peter Parker? And there's this really beautiful scene in the comics uh, that's actually repeated in uh, Into the Spider-Verse in the movie where there's a big funeral and Miles is there. And that's the moment where he realizes the classic wick great power comes great responsibility. Uh, and he kind of goes forward from there uh, as he like Young Spider-Man at the beginning of Ultimate Spider-Man really stumbles, he falls, he goes through different adventures, because unlike Spider-Man, he has both of his parents. You know, he doesn't have an Aunt May. Both of his parents are alive. Uh, and instead, he has his own tangles with his uncle. This is very much jumping ahead. Uh, but with his own uncle, who, spoiler, turns out to be a villain. So there's a lot of... There's a lot of different setup for Miles. There's a very different direction. There's also, I'm sure we could talk about the fact that he's Afro-Latino, which you can't really look past because it was such a big thing and a big move to do that. Um, but the biggest move they made is making it kind of not a big deal at most points. You know, it's part of his background. It's inherent to who he is. Um, but also he is still going on these epic Marvel Universe adventures at the same time. Um, so there's a lot of different things that are going on with Miles that make him very different from Peter, um, even though the germ of the idea there, the fact that uh, going back to that Stanley core ethos of great power, great responsibility is always going to be there through every iteration of Spider-Man, no matter what. Right, right. And I'm really glad you brought up this idea that there was a lot of stumbling for him early on, right? Like he got these powers. Mm hmm. And for a while, especially when Peter was still alive and active as the sort of quote unquote true Spider-Man, Miles didn't, you know, he was just like, I don't want these powers. You know, I, I, I he just wanted to be a normal kid. And this thought of like putting himself in danger or fighting these supervillains wasn't super attractive to him which was interesting and i like you said the catalyst that sort of pushed him over the edge into realizing that what he has is a gift and that what he has is a responsibility is when peter in the ultimate universe dies and there is no more like true quote-unquote spider-man left 
right. it's just miles. Well, if you think about it, it it makes a lot of sense to hit it that way. If you go back to the original comic, you have Peter Parker, even though part of what he is is screwing up all the time and getting beaten up and his mask half ripped off. Like that's that's who Peter Parker is. So he's never going to be the perfect superhero. But at the same time, you look at that first issue in a matter of pages, because this was the style of the time. You had a character who got his powers, uh, rejected his powers, uh, learned great power, great responsibility, and then started using his powers and immediately was fighting supervillains by the next issue uh, versus Miles. It's a much more reasonable way to think about it. You know, most of us, I think, would like to think in the back of our heads that if we got powers, we'd be like, and now I'm going to fight crime. But that's not what we do. We'd be like, I have these powers. This is weird. This is scary. I don't normally get into right. pitch street fights all the time. So that's probably not what I'm going to do now. You right. know? Like my body is changing. Like, come on. Think back to puberty. Nobody was like, yo, puberty, I'm going to fight supervillains. Like, it's just like, what is happening? There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of hesitation. And I imagine like the the interesting part is to me, Miles is just a kid. You know, he's just like mm-hmm. a normal, normal teenager in Brooklyn. Like he doesn't and shouldn't there should be no expectation on him to be able to take on this huge responsibility uh, and it's just sort of thrust upon him and uh, i think that is that's so formative to this version of miles this version of miles in the comic books the fact that he was given these powers and at first rejected them and didn't immediately turn around and decide the superhero life was for him and you know part of that too comes from uh his his father uh, you know, Jefferson Davis, the police officer in the comic books, unlike the game, which we'll get into, like his dad was really like not a was really not a fan of costume vigilantes. And so he wasn't really like a fan of Spider-Man in general being in the city and, and you know, dealing out justice. That's also kind of weighing on him. Like Miles doesn't want to go out there and do these things that'll disappoint his dad or um, just break the law. Yeah. Yeah, there, there, I like that hesitation that he has at the beginning. I think that's a very normal response until, of course, Peter dies yeah. at the hands of the Green Goblin. And then at that point, it's just kind of like, oh, gosh, I'm Spider-Man now. Yeah. And, and that alone must have been scary, too. Like, can you imagine just being like, oh, my gosh, this person who was just doing the job for me is no longer here I could have maybe helped if I had, you know, taken this more seriously or not just ignored these powers that I was given, uh, but I didn't. And so it's got to be a mix of guilt and definitely remorse and and a lot of fear. He's facing an uncertain future without a Spider-Man to help him. Right. One thing that I throw out there, though, that also makes Miles very different is Peter Parker always has the weight of the world. He has the classic superhero thing of, I have to do this alone. This is just for me. I got to go out there and fight this every single night, no matter how much it costs me. And Miles, to the point that you guys are bringing up, isn't exactly like that. He does actually have a support system. You know, he doesn't initially tell his parents who he is. He does much later in the run in the comic books or they find out uh, and ultimately accept him for that. 
Um, but he still has these parents that he can go to and go to for advice. He also has his best friend, Ganke, who is uh, the best. Uh, and Ganke uh, finds out Ganke. pretty early. Shouts to Ganke. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. He's just great. But uh, Peter doesn't exactly have somebody like that, at least initially. None of his friends really know about him. So he's walking alone. Miles is not. You know, he is relying on people. He's almost the more doing the more modern superhero thing of telling too many people his identity, which always makes me as a reader feel very nervous. But again, feels much more true. You had this if you had super cool superpowers, you would probably tell everybody, you know. Yeah. And it it kind of um, I think his the support system does it makes his stumbles a little less impactful in that way too you know i mean like i said he gets unmasked by spider-woman uh shield nick fury is like i know who you are but like we need a spider-man you know he finds out his uncle is prowler uh, but he seems to always you know move on and even though he is this super powered you know kid he still kind of remains a kid more than peter who is like you know always trying to bear the weight of the world on his shoulders like you were mentioning yeah, I mean, I I totally agree with that, and it's it's interesting to see the contrast here too. So, like this, the next thing we wanted to talk about was the origins of another Miles, the Miles in the PlayStation Four Spider Man game, which is in many ways different. It obviously parallels a lot of the bigger Spider Man themes that you know that are always there, that are always present in every Spider Man story, but the PlayStation Four Miles has a very different outlook on on spidey on having powers and his origin story is quite different yeah so in the game uh or i think we're technically on earth like 1048 according to some of the other some comics that have come out since but um miles is you know his dad is a police officer still um he's got a like not so rigid view of costume vigilantes like in the game he still actually works with spider-man and uh they work a lead together they catch some some people from uh mr negative's gang and mayor osborne you know awards him his police department's medal of honor so we see like you know he's still still a cop still everything is kind of going normal and then uh, there's a terrorist attack during the uh, awards ceremony and Miles's father ends up getting like caught in the crossfire and killed. So we see like he's, you know, that that's part of, he doesn't quite have that same support system. And, you know, Miles is depressed for a bit, uh, but Peter actually reaches out to him and um, brings him over to uh, feast the uh, nonprofit that Aunt May was working at. Uh, and they kind of just, you know, help him through his his trauma and his struggles. So fast forward in the game, Mary Jane is doing some investigative uh, journalism and comes across a secret lab in uh, Mayor Osborne's house, and she accidentally smuggles out one of his experimental spiders that he's created uh, to help cure his son, and the spider bites Miles, and that's how he ends up with his powers. So unlike like towards the end of the game, he, you know, he tells Peter like, hey, there's something going on. And then he shows him that he has powers. And then Peter shows Miles that he's actually Spider-Man. So 
big difference right off the bat is he still has that Spider-Man mentor. Yeah. And I would go as far as to say that he he was kind of a a, a fanboy. Like yeah. he liked Spider-Man, looked up to Spider-Man. And like you mentioned, Jefferson Davis, his father wasn't as anti-vigilante, anti-costumed hero as he is in the comics. And I think that affects his outlook quite a bit. Miles in the video game becomes Spider-Man pretty late in the game. Yeah. It's teased con like continuously throughout the game. And at one point you play as Miles and I like totally geeked out at that part, but you don't have powers. You're just normal Miles. He gets caught in like a fist fight with some thugs and, and uh, Spidey comes down and like shows him how to fight in this like really cute scene where they bond Peter and Mary Jane, uh, obviously befriend him during that investigation and he starts working at feast with aunt may like it's interesting that he gets to know these people particularly peter he gets to know and befriend peter parker before he knows he's spider-man and he comes across and has this really influential interaction with spider-man before he knows he's peter parker and he gets to know these two people individually before he gets to know them as the same person and i think that's really important to his development because up to that point, Spider-Man, in his view, was some, like, amazing celebrity-esque superhero. Yeah. And Peter was just a normal human. And those, and when he realizes that those two things are the same thing, I'm sure it'll ground him. Yeah. It's like, I, I remember, you know, after he gets his powers and you're doing some of the DLCs, you get call after call after call from Miles, because, like he's still kind of geeking out. He's got these powers. He's excited. He wants to hit the streets immediately. Like that's another, that's the huge difference. Like he wants to use his powers. He wants to go out there. He wants to basically be like, uh, Spider-Man. Um, and then, you know, in the beginning, Peter Parker is like, I don't, you know, I don't want you to get hurt. Cause he still feels guilty about not being able to really protect, uh, Miles's dad. And he's still kind of viewing him as like, you know, this regular kid. So he tries to keep him out of danger. But Miles is always like, you know, I want to go out. And Miles starts to basically like try things on his own. Like, I think you get a phone call at one point in, in the uh, game where he was like, I wanted to see, uh, like, like test my strength or something. So he jumped off of a bridge and he's like, I broke my toe. And so, you know, Peter, every time it starts with Peter lecturing him and then eventually Peter just kind of agrees to take him under his wing and train him. But he's still super protective. Yeah. Peter, Peter is spider dad in those DLCs. And yeah. it, I mean, it's adorable and, and cute and I loved it personally. But getting to see that sort of mentor mentee relationship between them was obviously different from the comic book world. <laughs> <laughs> where Peter is dead and doesn't get the chance to to really mentor Miles and help him grow into his own as Spider-Man. Miles is sort of left to do that on his own. And Alex, earlier you mentioned those stumbles that Miles had in the comic books. Oh, we should talk about like now that they've gone through their origin stories, they've each been bitten by the spider Comic book Miles and PlayStation 4 Miles take very different approaches to actually being Spider-Man. Well, well, I actually have a question for you guys, and this is me uh, coming from, as we remember, the warring faction of comic books. I haven't I haven't played, all full disclosure, I haven't played the PS4 version because uh, 
I have kids and I am about 10% through Breath of the Wild to just give you a continuity of where I am with video games right now. So I'm not quite to the Spider-Man game, but do you think that part of the reason for these story changes is the fact that you can't really kill Peter Parker, Spider-Man in the video game? Like if Peter Parker and Spider-Man died three quarters way through the video game, I feel like as a player, I'd be pretty upset, even if I was getting to play Miles. Um, I don't know, because I, I think I I personally wouldn't mind. I, I guess it, it depends on like how it adds to the story, because, you know, they, they did kill um, they killed off Aunt May in there um, mm-hmm. and they they did it in a way where Peter just had to he had to make a sacrifice. He could either save her and doom the city or, you know, protect the lives of these like six citizens and, but at the cost of Aunt May's life. And it was like a really powerful and impactful scene. And I think that they could have done something similar, uh, where there's, where there was more of a like torch passing. Mm -hmm. I would say that in, in the one big reason why I think that they didn't is because there's still a little bit of Peter's story left because there's some like unexplored, uh, like Harry Osborn uh, storylines that I know that we'll get in the next game. And there seems to be like a Venom tie-in that's going to come uh, pretty soon. But I think that, um, I honestly think that they could, I think they could masterfully kill off Peter or send him away or do something where he's unable to take or, you know, he's unable to be Spider-Man, you know, whether that's permanent or a certain amount of time yeah. and then Miles yeah, steps Years-long coma, alternate universe. It's a comic book story. <laughs> the, the options are quite literally limitless. Yeah, so hole in the multiverse opens up and he gets pulled in. Yeah, I, I agree that they could have done away with Peter in the game. But, Alex, I think you, you make a strong argument here that I think it would have been hard to sell, especially the first in what is now presumably going to be a series of Spider-Man games because the first was so successful. But I think it would have been tough to kill off Peter in the very first Spider-Man game that you're making. It would have been a bold choice and personally one that I would have really liked if I had if I was playing as Peter and some like crazy twist happened halfway through the game and he died or got shot off into the multiverse or something. And the rest of my game, I got to play as Miles, sort of struggling to become the new Spider-Man. That would have been a darker turn than I think the the tone of this game is definitely a little more lighthearted. There's some heavy moments, but for the most part, it's a Peter Parker makes a bunch of silly jokes story. And I think it would have been tough to kill him. I, I would have liked to see a bold choice like that, and we may actually see it in the future. But for the first game, I think they played it safe. And stuck with Peter Parker, Spider-Man, the you know the character you know and love and have followed for since you were a kid. So my main takeaways about this game so far, again, that I haven't played it, are there's a bunch of fun jokes. It's mostly jokey, fun Spider-Man, and also Aunt May dies. <laughs> yeah, wow. I was those, trying those to avoid two, that. I was like, like I don't know how much how much how many spoilers Alex knows, okay. but I, I guess I should just like tiptoe around the major no, stuff. No, no, but fine. yeah. I've actually, honestly, I'm playing dumb a little bit. I have read a fair amount about the game, and certainly when it came out, (laughs) a lot of my friends would not shut up about every single plot point. There's also, uh, this is probably far jumping ahead of the podcast, but Marvel has released a bunch of comic books set in what they call the Gamerverse, 
uh, which is yes. all based off of the Spider-Man game. And I've read a bunch of those and they're very good. So you could kind of, it's the sort of thing where you're like, oh, okay, I get what the plot point was. I know where the game ended up now. Okay. We're going to take a quick break here, but stick around. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. This is Michael from the Lore Party Podcast Network. I'm the producer and host of Minigame, a podcast that takes a deeper look at the stories of our favorite video games. Every episode is only about five to ten minutes long, and I analyze the themes, characters, and stories in the games we love and highlight games you may never heard of before. Subscribe to Minigame and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and anywhere else you find podcasts. Lawrence, you brought up the point of like Peter being there to mentor Miles and versus not being there to mentor him. And I think that's that's sort of the thread that we keep picking at in this episode and in this discussion we're having is this idea of like two different Miles and two different universes and two different stories and their approaches to becoming and being Spider-Man and how their support systems, like Alex pointed out earlier, and how their mentors or the lack of mentors affected their growth as Spideys. And I think for comic book miles in particular, it was a much bumpier path than it is going to be for video game miles. We have the miles Morales video game coming up later this year on the PlayStation five. And I think it's going to be a much smoother ride for him because Peter is there to hold his hand and he might be on training wheels for a while. Those Spidey training wheels, but it's going to be less stumbling around than comic book miles did because comic book miles had it rough to start. Uh, one other thing you, you guys mentioned the support system and there's an interesting part of the support system that always feels uncomfortable in the right way when you're reading the comic books. And that's that Peter Parker supporting cast is still alive. They don't do that immediately. They don't approach that immediately, but as the issues continue and as miles does realize now, wait, I am a new Spider-Man. Uh, I should go find the people that meant something to the old Spider-Man. He interacts with Mary Jane. He interacts with mm -hmm. Aunt May. He interacts with some other of Peter's friends. And it's always this thing where they are so it, it feels like you're walking on eggshells when you read these comic books because he doesn't want to say the wrong thing about Peter. They don't want to insult him because he's doing such a good job at this point as Spider-Man. But it's such a fascinating, interesting, very different interaction that you would never get when Peter Parker was alive. Yeah. But the, re regardless of whether or not it get like the relationship sort of becomes warmer, there's always like you said, there's always going to be that little bit of walking on eggshells because of the fact that uh, Miles is basically trying to step into the shoes of their dead friend. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, even Spider-Woman was like you know, she captured him and then unmasked him and was like, it's insulting. You know, you're out here pretending to be Spider-Man, even though he clearly has powers. It's weird, I think, for Miles. And, you know, think of the, think of how that affects, again, we're talking about a kid here. He, he's still a kid stepping into these incredibly large shoes that he has to live up to now. He didn't really get to know this Peter, definitely didn't get to get mentored and trained by this Peter before his death. And really only knows his legacy you know it's like to when i was like looking over the script and um planning for this episode the thing that i kept like this weird sort of example i kept coming back to was what if the rock decided you were gonna be the next rock 
but then never taught you anything he's doing. And suddenly you had to be the rock, like be in all his movies, manage all his, you know, whatever he's doing now. Isn't he like, doesn't he own like Voss water or something now? Some tequila thing. Some tequila thing. Yeah. It's just like curious, all the stuff. What an incredibly, like we all know who the rock is. We all know his persona and his legacy, but imagine just one day having to be the rock and do everything he does. That is terrifying and daunting. Just on the yeah. basis of the amount he eats every day, that sounds impossible. Oh, my gosh. Right. Yes. And the amount of tequila mm-hmm. that he <laughs> drinks, because there's normally a tequila with, like, every meal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely wild. I really feel for Miles in this in this regard. I would not be able to step into The Rock's shoes, and it is incredible that Miles manages to step in his own way, into the shoes of Spider-Man and and take up that superhero uh, mantle. And like transitioning over to video game Miles for a second, we we should touch on his, he, we haven't really seen him step into the shoes of Spider-Man yet. We will in the upcoming game. Very excited to play that, of course. But what I found interesting is that guilt and remorse that we pointed out at the top of the episode that comic book Spider-Man felt when Peter died is kind of flipped and is Peter's burden in the video game because of the way that Jefferson Davis died. Peter worked with Jefferson Davis, had a relationship with him, and now kind of feels this responsibility to be Miles, Jefferson Davis's son, to be his mentor and to you know i I mentioned spider dad earlier half jokingly but kind of like peter kind of feels like he needs to step in as miles's dad because he didn't save his actual dad it's interesting that the guilt is is on peter in the game rather than the guilt being on miles the relationship between peter and miles in the video game universe is is heartwarming but also and Lawrence, you have continued to sort of hint at this, and uh, you, you've made this point in our notes here, that Peter's mentorship is almost a little oppressive. It doesn't allow Miles, or I guess we haven't really seen it this yet, but so far, at least from what we can gather in the DLCs in the video game, Peter is, I would go so far as to say, pretty overprotective of Miles, and isn't really allowing Miles to take risks, which, you know, as we know, risks are a great way to learn. Like, yeah. getting tossed into the deep end of the pool, you're going to learn to swim. And Peter is really very much about this idea of like, nope, we're going to keep you on the training wheels until you are ready, quote unquote ready. And uh, do do you think that's going to affect Miles negatively? I kind of, I kind of think so. I mean... I, I do, I do, because like, you know, there there are opportunities where he could at least patrol with Peter and have like Peter there. Like Peter at one point in the game wasn't even letting Miles like go out as Spider, go out as like Spider Man or like a his student or whatever. Um, he would like Miles would call him and Miles would be like, "Hey, so uh, when are we gonna start training?" And Peter would just like change the subject and hang up on him. I will say, from the comic book perspective, this does seem very consistent with Peter Parker's character, where two of the big things that he always has, and we've touched on this a little bit earlier in the podcast, 
uh, are one, he's the only one that can fix the problems. He's the only one that can do it. He always has to go off by himself. It's not that he thinks he's smarter than anybody else, but it's because he thinks he bears the burden so that nobody else has to. He's trying to do it out of kindness. But to your point, when it comes to people like Miles, and they touch on this in the mainstream current comics as well, um, it, it's he feels like it's his job. He wants to save everybody else. And then uh, the other side of it is there, there's this great run, a very long run by Dan Slott uh, is the name of the writer. He uh, wrote Spider-Man for a very, very long time in the mainstream continuity. Uh, and he had this great run where for a little while Spider-Man said, and this is Peter Parker, Spider-Man said, no one dies. Like he said that out loud. He made that promise. He said, as long as I'm Spider-Man, nobody is going to die. Which is an insane promise to make because he yeah, is, bold words, he's, sir. <laughs> he's one person. He can't be everywhere in the world. He can't do everything. He's barely been able to save his friends and family over the course of several decades. So of course he's not going to be able to do that. And the thing that he ultimately learns is after he does save an incredible amount of people, is no, he can't save everybody. And he doesn't have to feel good about it, but he has to be okay with it. And it sounds like maybe that's the same sort of lesson that potentially could be applied to the games going forward with his relationship with Miles, where he just needs to learn that it is okay that he's not watching Miles 24-7 all day, and that Miles has skills of his own that even he doesn't have. You know, it would be a shame if he used his powers to cheat in basketball or, like, you know, professional wrestling or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, wouldn't that be a damn shame, Peter? Right. If I, you know, if I decided to use my powers, you know, and and for for a game of basketball and, like, not getting paid. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. But, again, it's like Miles can learn from Peter's mistakes and— Hopefully that that'll be a net positive for video game Miles in a way that comic book Miles had to make his own mistakes and learn through his own path. But to to wrap up, I we've had a really great discussion and this has been really interesting. This kind of went in directions that I wasn't expecting. But to wrap up, actually, I would I would just love to hear your guys's final thoughts about these two different Miles that we've been talking about. Miles in the video game versus Miles in the comic book. Which one do you guys appreciate more and which which one resonates with you more strongly? I don't know. I really like there's elements of both that I like, but since I know I have to make a definitive classic choice, Lawrence answer. Yeah. I'll why just not both. I'll, <laughs> I'll just say that I, I appreciate um comic book miles a little bit more. Uh, just because comic book miles is a little more human to me. I think what I appreciate about him is that the fact that he didn't have that mentor in the beginning and he kind of had to become Spider-Man in the same way that Peter became Spider-Man. So he was able to come in on, you know, come in on his own as as being Spider-Man that way. Like he didn't have someone to explain his new powers. He just kind of figured it out as he went along. And, you know, I mean, that that made him the hero that a lot of people look up to and appreciate for sure 
Alex, what about you? I know you're a little bit biased on this yeah, one. Yeah, this is a tough choice for me, having not played the video game. But I'm going to go with uh, comic book Miles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I just, I do really, just really like the character a lot. I think he's a good character. He's a fun character to read, both in the original incarnation uh, and now that he is in the Marvel universe proper. Even though it's a bit of a weird situation having both Spider-Man at the same time. Um, some of his adventures have been so good, particularly the recent comic written by Saladin Ahmed is excellent and really gets to Miles as a young kid kind of screwing up, mostly being a kid like we were talking about uh, and being a superhero almost on the side. So that's fun. Uh, but then the other thing that we didn't really touch on much is it was just so important. It continues to be so important for people to see somebody who looks like them on screen in video games uh, in comic books like Miles, um, it's a unique character, but luckily it's a less and less unique character over time as more diversity gets added into the Marvel Universe. And uh, the inclusion of Miles Morales back in the day in the Ultimate Comics was really at, very much at the forefront of that. So it's great that he was that flag planted in the sand, but also is a great fun character to read at the same time. And that's why he's had this longevity, this interest, um, the, all of this excitement about him. Movies that win Academy Awards. Uh, it, it's a great character. And whether it is in video games or comics, I'm just excited to see him continue with his adventures going forward. For sure. What a heartfelt answer. Damn. Yeah. My answer is going to pale in comparison to that. <laughs> I think his costume looks cool. The end. <laughs> right. <laughs> he can be invisible and that's cool. Uh, I actually, um, if I had to pick one, if I had to lean a certain way, I would actually lean towards video game miles on this one simply because video game miles to me is perhaps a little more grounded to him. Spider-Man is not some sort of celebrity superhero. Spider-Man is not the rock in his mind. Spider-Man is just his friend Peter Parker, who he who helped him move into his apartment in the last scene of the game, you know? Like, I think that is going to give him a fresh perspective on what it means to be Spider-Man, rather than trying to live up to some ideal that is basically unachievable. Like, no one can just be Spider-Man, right? No one can just be Peter Parker, and Miles will never be that. He has to grow into his own version of it. I think video game Miles will understand this from the get-go where comic book Miles maybe had a harder time figuring that out. Video game Miles will know that superheroes, they're all just people. Well, before we sign off today, Alex, we want to give you the space to talk about comic book clubs. So please plug away. Tell us about your show. Sure. So uh, Comic Book Club has been running. We used to be live back when live shows were happening, uh, but now we're live streaming every Tuesday night to Crowdcast and YouTube. We have guests on from the world of comic books, writers and artists. Sometimes we have comedians uh, come on as well. And it's a live show. Uh, like I said, streaming to YouTube, streaming to this Crowdcast platform. We take comments, we take questions live, give out prizes, things like that. Uh, and then we have a small network of podcasts off of that that include a comic book review podcast. Uh, we do a couple of TV show podcasts, one popular one. We do uh, Riverdale After Dark, a Riverdale podcast that's kind of taken on a life of its own in a very... <laughs> Very weird way to be. I did not expect to be talking about and thinking about Riverdale quite as much as I do. Um, but you can check out all of that stuff at comicbookclublive.com. 
Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. And check out our YouTube page for fun bonus videos and highlights. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.